0: Um, I think it, it, I always said, so we've been, uh, Dockers members for about 15 years and I always say, I, I, we, we're Dockers members cause it helps build resilience in our children.
1: G'day and welcome to this week's segment of Farm Yarns, where we dive behind the audio to find out who inspires our guests, what motivates them, what they would like to debunk. And also what resources they lean on to get the most out of their agri business. So let's get down to it. Farm yarns. Well, David, you're on Farms Advice Podcast. Now you join us for what could be a dangerous, but hopefully not so much a farm yarn. So thanks for coming on for a farm yarn.
0: No, thanks, Jack. Don't know what to expect, mate.
1: Um, it's quite open. Um, people have been vulnerable on here, but just to get to know you, who's behind the audio, who's behind agri master and what makes you tick what motivates you um but first of all how are you how have you been going lately
0: yeah i've been going well mate so it's um it's it's i was saying it's uh having been a farmer for 10 years and doing this for 20 years i was just saying you know it's completely different worlds you know and so they both have their own different challenges
1: keeping you on your toes no doubt
0: yeah definitely well and truly
1: and as it keeps you on your toes what's your morning routine how to kick the day off
0: Oh, My morning routine, uh, like I was telling you before, I'm a big consumer of podcasts, professional. So my routine is I get up about um, just before six every day and I tend to um, go down and I do two things. I um, do a Stoic reflection and journal. So I read a, a passage of Stoicism from one of the Stoics and then I journal on that on a question every morning. And then I um, have a a bullet journal where I plan my whole day out. I write out what I'm doing for the day, my three key what I call most into- most important tasks or MITs, um, and um, and the key things I have to uh, my habits I have my eating habits, exercise habits, et cetera. And I do that every day. And so that's and then um, really then it's just getting ready and getting all the. Mon- I've got three boys, um, Nat and I, and so <laughs> getting them well only ones at home now well, they sort of all at home on and off.
1: I think we, I was going to say they always are as if I've got kids, but I don't. Um, I think we always are with tending in to drop in, drop out of that. But I want to know if you don't finish something on your list, what do you do? Do you just roll it to the next day or how does that work?
0: Yeah. So I, I follow um, really about 15 years ago. I read this great book called GDT or getting things done. Um, I can't remember who wrote it, but to me, it was revolutionary. It was the idea that a lot of people get stressed about to-do lists because they think they have to complete everything on their to-do list and they have to prioritize it, right? And the reality is our days, the priority of what's important today is going to be completely different tomorrow. So the idea is I run it a bit like we do with our software. We're In software, we run user stories um, and we have a backlog. And every 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 sprint, you just prioritize what you're going to run on the backlog. I run my to-do list like this. I have a massive to-do list. And each day I choose new things to go. The most important three things, I only pick something, I only pick three. And if I do those three, I'll pick another one. Now, it goes back to scratch every day. So even if I miss that thing today, unless it it gets back into the list. So there might be five other things that are more important than that the next day. So it might not be on the list tomorrow. So um, if something has a definite time if it has actual time, it has to be done. Well, you know, I'll actually put that in my calendar or something that I, I you know, if it's so important that it has to be done today, I block the time out to do it. So um, otherwise it just goes onto the MIT list.
1: Great stuff. Well, everyone puts it a little bit differently. I always wonder like when you do stuff individually, like, Oh, everyone does it this way, but maybe if you step back a bit, it's like maybe I've been doing it the wrong way the whole time.
0: It's, it's the same with emails I, I can't remember who I picked the tip off with but these context you would have heard of things like empty inbox um and I call this yeah the three Ds. you either um um it? do it defer it or or delegate it yep. um so and I love that too because a full inbox stresses the hell out of me so um and even that little routine um you know really helps yes
1: yeah, so there's little things that I hope that people can pull from these farmyards yarns um, to help them because we don't know until we know in the end. But, David, you're off a farm. Tell us in 60 seconds, what's your favourite memory being on a farm?
0: Oh, for me, I used to love walking with my dogs behind sheep. So we used to run about, um, you know, 20,000 merinos and we used to run them in mobs of two to 4,000. And so what I used to love being is drop me at the back of the farm, two dogs, 4,000 merinos. And I used to love walking them into the sheds. Um as, just with my dogs. As a kid.
1: Even as an adult. Like
0: yeah. even yeah. So even when I was in my twenties. I used to play polo cross. So I used to walk behind the sheep with my polo cross racket and and my two dogs. And um love that. Um I don't miss crutching wet sheep in the rain. Um, but I do <laughs> I do miss walking behind sheep for for four hours uh, with my dogs. So I, I absolutely love that. And the other thing is um, early mornings, even when I cold, even when I have cold motorbike hands, is spider webs in ring lock. There's just nothing like dew on spider webs in ring lock early in the morning. It's just, um, and there's the smell of it, you know. Even, to, even I don't get back very often, but when I do, there's just a smell that just, I don't know. I just love
1: talking about smells. Like when I push the use, it's just all sort of normal and everything. We got a white door for studs, so. Um, and then you push the rams and you just, can just smell their testosterone. Yeah. Zooting out.
0: I, I even lo- I'm even, i even weird. I love the smell of wet sheep around the shed.
1: <laughs> yeah. Or your wet akubra or like your wet felt hats. Yeah. I think that smells nice. Oh, yeah. kick it into the next one. Who's been the most influential for you in your life?
0: Uh, I'm going to be really nerdy here. Look, my father. Um, My father's a quiet man incredibly accomplished and you know he's a farmer he's a software developer he's been a photographer he doesn't say much um he just does and and I've always really admired that because I'm a big talker I mean listen to me you know and and so I um I really admire his quiet wisdom and i and so what I do is I look that for that in other people so they're the people even though maybe I'm not that person I really admire that that, that humble wisdom in people. Um, um, And so he's definitely a a big role model for me. Um, But I, I seek out, um, I really do seek out wisdom from others and it doesn't matter what they do. I, I love the idea. And if I, if I had any one, if I had one big wish for agriculture that people like yourself and myself and others expose the the farm world to worlds outside agriculture business people leaders speakers and i love that that mixture of ideas um like i just read a book to um finished a book last week from a hedge fund manager in new york and i was going oh my god i always thought i always had this particular view of hedge fund managers in my head and this book is just amazing (laughs) um and I'm never going to be a hedge fund manager but there's some wisdom in there that I just love so I just seek that out another but my real role model in life is definitely my father
1: great stuff and I'm probably quite the same reading out of my sort of comfort zone but also in interest that you can sort of pull back um into it and you sort of subtly improve yourself your days because you sort of remember remember that in your conscience but you don't actually you're not quite aware of it at the time
0: yeah I think there's all these connections I think one of the, I remember back in the days, there used to be a, an ag conference. I can't even remember what it was called. Um, I was in South Australia at the time. And the keynote speaker was a guy who was a CEO of an oil and gas company. Loved it. And and his job, he didn't, he'd never been on, I don't think he hadn't been exposed to farming much in his life, but he came to speak about as an oil and gas exec, how would he look at farming? But I loved it. It created this this perspective that, and I think, um, I used to be, belong to this CEO group in in Perth, and it was called. It's called Tech. There's, they're all over Australia. But what it was is every CEO in there had to be from a different industry, and I love that. So I'd be sitting at the table, and we'd sit together. We'd do, meet together for a day once a month, and and there would be you know someone from mining and someone from you know aged care, and, you know, and that was just an amazing melting pot. I was the only software um, person there, and I was just saying, imagine every farmer met up with every month and with all the different business leaders in town, you know, the manufacturing people, the this, and the the and the amount of stuff they'd learn from each other. And the beauty of it is you don't know how each other's businesses work, and that makes the the magic happen.
1: Absolutely. And off the back of that, what's a myth you'd like to debunk about your role in the industry? Is there any myths out there that get thrown around? <laughs>
0: I think software has a massive myth. We always joke about this with our software developers. A lot of people think it's magic. Yeah. Um, it's not. It, software is incredibly complex and it works a lot slower and costs a lot more than most people think. I think we've grown up with this idea of the Googles and the Facebooks and the those sorts of things. And I think the biggest myth is that, uh, you know, I think the one question they makes going to make a software developer turn white is when someone says, can you just do this, right? Like, Oh, we just want a button there. And yep. reality that might be $300,000 worth of developer time, that one button. And I think, and I think um, we, especially in the startup world and everything like that it is the complexity of, of software. And I think you would have interviewed other, maybe software people on the thing. It's, it's a, it's a very expensive, very risky, very um, complex world. And and, I, and to be quite honest, as a farmer coming to software, even growing up with a farmer, a father who was a software developer, I underestimated the cost and complexity of software. And I think this is a big, it's a big myth that, you know, we all sit, even me as a consumer of software, why can't they just do that? You know, not realising that's probably taking their whole team of 10 off something and putting it onto it for a year. And I think that's a certainly a big myth. in. Um, and I think as consumers, maybe, I don't know, It it might. I think it's just such a world that's so hard to understand because it seems like a lot of magic to a lot of people.
1: It's just like the ticket system at um, the supermarket. You just grab a ticket and get it in line to improve it.
0: Yeah, and and I think that's the other thing is that I think every every software product that you use, there is they've got thousands of users going. I just want this, and I just want that, and they've got a huge system like ours that records all these things. And every, and we have meetings every three weeks in this place trying to prioritize which one of those is going to have the biggest benefit to users or not. And I think all of your products have the same thing. It's just like the ticket system, like you explained, Jack.
1: Beautiful. And I was going to ask, night owl or early riser? I think we know you're an early riser. But what sporting team do you go for instead? (laughs)
0: I'm a, I'm a, I'm a suffering Fremantle Dockers supporter. Yeah. So, yeah. So. Um, I think it. I always said, so we've been uh, Dockers members for about 15 years and I always say we're Dockers members because it helps build resilience in our children. So (laughs) um, we've got three sons and we've taken them to the footy most of their lives.
1: Whose home ground
0: is the Optus Stadium? uh, Both Eagles and Dockers, yeah. Oh,
1: it is. Yeah, right. Yeah,
0: so they both have their own training facilities in separate places, but their home ground is the no one's no one trains at the stadium
1: i actually couldn't tell you anyone that plays in any afl team other than dustin martin is that his last name
0: dustin yeah, martin i think he's actually Well, i don't know if he's, he's australian or he's a kiwi but
1: yeah well even even so <laughs> i don't know too much about afl um so let's move on what's hot what's not about um technology at the moment for you what's working what's not
0: I think definitely in the world, there's a, there's a big, um, I'd say in the tech world at the moment, AI is obviously the hot topic. Um, I think um, um, certainly not for us yet, but it's certainly something that we're keeping an eye on, but I think AI is just another extension of machine learning and um, data. And um, so I think it's definitely, um, but I think at the end of the day, I've learned over the years, not to get super too excited about this, but look at these things to go, okay, does this thing as excited as the world is about it solve any problem that's not being solved now already? So I think what happens is we tend to uh, get really overexcited about something in technology as if it's going to suddenly transform our lives, not, and, but we don't sit there and go, do we actually have a problem that we need solving? Um, so I tend to look at these things Whether so last year it was, you know, data and machines before that it was IOT and then drones and all that sort of stuff. At the moment, it's AI. That'll that that will run its course. It'll become so what these things become at the moment is eventually business as usual. So for example, now in software development, there's AI tools already, right? But what they are is we they they use them to check coding for bugs and errors and things like that. So it's a lot like um, so you might use Grammarly to check spelling. <laughs> you know, so I think that. And I think um, AI is going to make a big difference, not in helping people write emails and letters and finish uni assignments, which I think is just rubbish, but it's going to make a massive difference in productivity. Um, So for example, you know, one person might be able to do the work of two people with the help of AI, for example. And I think, so I've got no idea how it's going to play out. It's very, very, very early days, although it's getting a lot of press, but I think eventually it may be, we're suffering a, a labour shortage globally at the moment. So in every industry, especially in agriculture, um, but but in software, in retail, everywhere. So, And the world population is now shrinking. So I think it's going to be a massive problem. So I think AI is going to be one of the small parts of the recipe that helps solve that problem.
1: Absolutely. I've had a dabble in chat GPT. I've actually written a couple of bios for four guests on there, obviously reiterated a little bit. On there, but it's exciting to see. And I edited a video for YouTube the other day. I um, just chucked it in one that gave me seven days free um sort of trial. So it's interesting to have a play around and have a look into what works, what doesn't.
0: Yeah, and I think we're in that experimental stage, isn't it? And I think that's a classic example for you, Jake. Okay, so instead of... um you as an operator can say, okay, I can halve my editing or my post-production time down by using this tool. And I think that's where AI is going to be. It's not going to essentially replace people. Um, probably in the same way a washing machine replaced a whole lot of people hand-washing, <laughs> yeah. you know, and I think, and I think that's pretty exciting. And I think what it does, it just increases, you know, the, 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 you always hear the government talking about productivity being flat this is one of those productivity drivers. And I think in farming, it's going to, I think it's going to maybe when someone gets a handle it, it, might help. So, so so, farming data is one of those things that is at the moment pretty, there's a lot of it, but it's not being used very well. So AI might help leverage that a bit. Um, so people have got to trust it as well. So, um, you know, there's a whole lot of stuff going on. So we're definitely experimenting with it.
1: I'll wait and see, or maybe experiment and see and see how it goes on.
0: Yeah, and I think that, that's probably much how I approach anything. Don't get too ex- – don't think it's going to be more it's – not, it's not as good as probably you think it is, but it's better than rubbish. So it's just play with it and experiment like you've been doing it. Probably Absolutely. the best it- – sorry.
1: And it might um, – you might be sitting around playing with it on a Friday night. The next question was, are you going out on a Friday night for a few after-work beers or are you going to stay, stay in?
0: Oh, I'm in tonight, but I don't mind um... – we have a really so yes right. yeah, Friday, yeah. Friday, no too. we have a we have a really good group of friends um uh here and so every now and then we'll just um you know with the boys we'll just go that we have a local bar near us and we just go and have beers at Unicorn or we this is the same group we go we go four wheel driving and camping together a fair bit and so often book out a restaurant I was just talking to my son who my middle son who works as a chef in a restaurant and I said we're that annoying group that go there at seven and we're still there at 12 when you all want to go home and we're just drinking cheese and wine. So we're lucky enough to have a really great group of supportive friends like that. And it's, um, yeah, it's, it's, I don't mind sitting around eating cheese and red wine for four hours. It's great.
1: doesn't sound bad at all. Um, and what's something that flies under the radar within the media for yourself? What do you think we should be having a look at, um, within your own experience?
0: If I stuck to a, um, I'll stick to an agricultural term here in media. Okay, there's probably two things. First of all, the amount of fundamental structural change that's happening in the global economy at the moment. We tend to, the the daily news cycle tends to be obsessed with, I don't know, whether China wants Taiwan or what's happening in Ukraine, you know. Um, but in the context of the fundamental massive shifts in the global economy, you know, people are starting to, globalisation is starting to break down, you um, now that's probably not going to be a disadvantage for Australia, America, places like that, but it will be for other parts of the world. Um, so fundamentally in the next 10 years, I'm sort of looking forward and going, so there's these bigger discussions, like over the 10 years, let's think that things, the the era of cheap things I think is ending, right? So we've been so used to having massive spending power of the money we have, you know, cheap tellies and cars. And I think, uh, from what I've read and experiencing, I think that era is is coming to an end. So it's to me, I think what the media is not discussing is um, where, how do we set ourselves up for this? What does our economy, what do our lives look like if everything was double the prices is now? Yeah. You know, uh, how does that affect agriculture? How does that affect I don't know your home? How does that affect the car you drive or the school your kids go to? Or and I think that's sort of where the the world's sort of heading. Um, and I think there should be more of that discussion within rather than going, hoping for the best, like you say, hope's not a strategy, you're just looking at, okay, there's been fundamental changes happening. So as a business, as an individual, how, how would my life look differently? Should I start thinking about that, preparing for that, talking to my kids about it? So I talk to our boys about it all the time. Okay. The world that you're going to have your adult life in is going to look very different to the one that I had my adult life in. Yeah. So, So, and it's going to look different. So be aware of that. Don't just put your head in the sand because it's going to affect you. Um, And in agriculture, I would, you know, it's just the whole thing. I think the world itself is very detached from the reality of agriculture. You know, if you went to anyone in Australia and said, go onto the internet and Google pictures about farming, they're going to have a bunch of ducks and chickens, some guy in overalls with a red barn, which we don't have in Australia. Um, And it, you know, it, and I think, and they'll go, that's what farm looks like. And I go, yeah, Disney, it does. (laughs) But I think that's still, and I think that's becoming not less so, it's becoming more so. So I think, I don't know how to solve that from a media point of view, but it's certainly something that, that, um, you know, and, and I think it's about farmers. Farmers are large, complex, multi-million dollar industrial businesses almost. That's almost how you have to view them these days. But the brand...
1: Themselves. Yeah. Sorry? They're CEO themselves now, farmers.
0: Oh, and they're That's CEOs. The
1: of... as the days go on.
0: Yeah, and they run very big, very complex, very risky businesses. And, and bigger than probably the vast majority of businesses in Sydney, Melbourne, Perth, or brisbane you know like these are these are big operations and i don't and i don't think farmers even rack themselves as well as they should they're running incredibly big complex risky businesses and if they went into any business in any urban area they'd probably start it up and go what's this (laughs) here yeah
1: well they're they're two cracking um observations you've made there and they may even be worth a episode either on your podcast or our podcast one day um but within Agriculture, bringing it back to farming, and the report that came out locally here or on the east coast anyway about farmers' mental health doing it pretty bad during the disasters, um, but also outside of disaster areas, farmers don't always have the best mental fitness. What's something that you do to look after yourself? Um, that's some others out there that may find the same sort of thing.
0: You know I think it's um, escape. Your day to day reality, I think. I, for example, I live in a tech world, and I'm, I'm, you know, I'm still, I suppose, a hands-on farmer at heart. But I live in a software business, and I have, I have a hobby. Uh, So I do. um, So my hobby is, I learn, do do things. I study Japanese, which is really obscure. Um, I do it not because I'm travel. I, I I know Japanese people. I just it's really hard, and it's just something different. The other thing is I do hand tool woodworking with no machines and I do that deliberately because for me, it is like eight hours of meditation. There's no noise. It's, it requires a lot of skill. I have to concentrate. And for me, I can have the worst day ever at work and I can go spend two hours with a piece of jar in the workshop and I'm a happy man, you know, Um, listening to a podcast doing a bit of woodwork. And I think, and, um, and, just sometimes, I think the other thing I do is is no matter how let's say, if, and this is the human the human condition. The human condition is often pretty tough. Um, is when I'm having a really bad day, instead of feeling sorry for myself, I literally like um, I woke up this morning and I was just dead tired. And I thought, you know, I was having one of those days. I just you know I didn't want to get up and go to work today. But I got up, had a shower and I go, okay, I've got a good company. It's a nice day. I live in Perth. God, where else would you want to live? Um, Yeah, I've got three boys and, you know, and I go, oh, well, pretty good, really. And then just got on my day. So it's this, I actually heard this great quote the other day. It was from Michael J -J Fox, who has um, Parkinson's disease, as most people probably be aware, and he goes, optimism is sustainable as long as you have gratitude. And I love that, right? So it doesn't matter how bad you have. Is go so, for example, if if um if I was if you're on the farm, right? You're having a really tough day, and I and I reckon and I reckon mental health in agriculture is something that is a massive concern, especially because there's less and less farmers, and they're becoming increasingly isolated, right? So you go to a district now, especially in the dryland areas. And there's no one for miles. There's no footy club left. You know, it's a serious issue. And, and mainly due to isolation, I reckon. It's a tough place to live now because when I grew up, there would have been 20 people in our tiny little district. Now there's just my brother and someone else. So, and that's like every district. So I think it's tough. But also to think that this is not my only option. And I think that's another thing that I think I never regarded when I was a farmer, right? So I'm sitting here, I'm on a bunch of land and I'm farming. I don't have to do this, right? I could, depending on what farm you have, I don't know how big your farm is, but I could sell this today, have a few million dollars in my pocket and do something else. Yeah. In other words, I don't, you know, no one's making you do this. And I think I, I like that idea of choice. And I think mental health sometimes is a function if we don't feel like we have a choice or our, our anxiety is the fact that we don't have choice. And I think, I'd love every farmer to know that I used to be a farmer and I love being a farmer, but also love my post-farming life too. So in the fact that if you were never a farmer, I can guarantee you'll find something and go, why didn't I do this 20 years ago? You know, so you don't have to do it if it's, if it's, if it's not cutting it.
1: Absolutely. I think that's always good. Farmers love options, but they don't always know they're right there um, for them as well. And definitely 2023, there'll be someone there ready to buy the farm.
0: I'm sure. Yeah, and, and also you have skills. I mean, that, like I just said before, farmers have skills, like real skills, right? And they're in the context of, ed- and I've met hundreds and hundreds of people in every type of business since being in Perth. And farm skills are really up there, right? So if you didn't want to do this, you have real skills that are, can be deployed anywhere. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think... Um, so, you know, I, I think it's a, I think it's, and look after each other, you know, and I really love when I'm going around the farming areas these days, is, you know, I, I you know, these really, pra- I was in a pub in Darren, um, I think last year <laughs> in the, in the gents yeah. and, and, and above the Urals, got, have you checked on a mate today? Love it. You know, and I, and I think it's that stuff. You know, like because there's not many of you, you've got to make extra effort now. It used to be before you to go to the tennis club or go to the footy club, and everybody was there. And now you actually have to make that extra effort. And maybe I, I'm not there. I'm not living it, so I feel I feel weird trying to give advice. But so I won't. But I was just saying, you know, especially guys, girls tend to be pretty good at it, but guys we tend to be really bad at it. Is make You're an effort
1: sort of yeah. It's that effort, and it's also a toggle like. You go to the trough and you get someone like, have you talked to a mate today, checked in with them? I yeah. think we need to toggle quite consistently about it as well. Um, not just fall off, not the person fall off the cliff, but for that conversation to fall off the cliff. Wrong use of analogy there. But um, and how important that is, it's vital.
0: And, and I think it is. And I think for, I can even speak for myself, you know, as a guy, it's confronting, you know, like, but, you know, I, I, you know and it can feel weird. But, and, but it's better than the alternative. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, and I think, and I think now, I, I think, I don't know what generation you are, Jack, but my generation was really bad at it. Yeah. Um, people probably under 40, are, you know, I'm, I'm over 50, but if <laughs> people under 40 tend to be, I think a bit better at it than my gen. But, you know, um, and I think when we everyone's out there and they're isolated, you know, you're out there. You might be on a farm by yourself for a week, two weeks, you know. And so I remember when I was a farmer. Jesus, the amount of stuff you can get stuck in your own head, and that time is nuts. Yeah. So you know, I think, and even if you, I mean, like you said, you know, if you're staying next to your mate at the top of the footy club, or you, um, you haven't heard from him for a week, give him a call. You know. You know. I think. It's pretty important. And I and I really enjoy that. When I'm having a bad week, if I have one of my mates Dave ring me up and goes, how about we just four of us go up to the unicorn and have a beer? Sometimes that's enough to sustain me for another two weeks. You know, it's all good.
1: Yeah, beautiful. There's some great recommendations. But tell us something that the audience may not know about you. What's that thing?
0: Oh, I think I just told you. Oh, I know, I was as, to- as, a, as a West Australian living in this hot joint, I love snowboarding.
1: <laughs> Where, uh, it's like You'd come down to Fredbo and perisher and that that
0: would be no general you know what as a, da- a person from WA it's actually cheaper for us to go to Japan so we tend to go to Japan snowboarding um and I love it um so I only see snow for two weeks a year if I'm lucky um but yeah I absolutely love it and uh, even my oldest son now that's what he's doing now he's just finished his uni degree and he's working in Buller as a snowboard tech and in retail up there so he you know living the dream
1: um and a productivity hack that you make your day better, um, either something that you use or something that you don't. What's that?
0: Um, I think I've told you before. Uh, my um, my my bullet journal, um, and it very, and this is just the latest version of what I've been doing most of my life. the 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 most important task is so. My big productivity hack is two things empty mailbox and only prioritizing two important three important things a day. If you, and I can guarantee you won't get those three important things done Um, and keeping a very flexible to do this. And, 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 and that's the thing because you could plan your whole, you know, my neighbor. So back when I was a, and do you know, I could say this, none of this is new. Um, And is, you know, plan your day, do the best you can to 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 achieve that one or three things and then just revisit the next morning and just revisit it every morning and don't beat yourself up if you can't achieve it you're only human you know yeah
1: yeah i think it's in that as well i've learned that a little bit as well um but you've dropped a fair few throughout the episodes a book recommendation for the farmers book club i started an instagram page the other day i've got nearly 60 on there i think but i think that's pretty substantial a couple of farmers looking to read or expand their minds. What's your book?
0: All right. I'll do so there's a thousand business books I can recommend, but I'll do a non-business one. Thinking Fast and Slow by Daniel Carterman and Eamon, can't even say he's like Savansky. Um I've actually read that and that it was a good one, wasn't it? Yeah, it's really good. Um and probably the last one. Actually, I'm gonna look up my phone, Jay. I've got, I've just finished. Um there's one um at the moment which is there's I'd give you actually give you a 2 actually on economics one is um um why nations fail and and that's a really good one about global what's happening in the in the in the planet at the moment and all the the geopolitical stuff that's happening and I think that's super relevant for farmers especially as it relates to commodities and and fertilizer etc um and probably one that's a peer to that is um, one by, uh, what's his name? Ray Dario. Um, our oh, Principles for Dealing with the Changing World Order is another really nerdy economics book that you can almost look at my playlist. But on my reading list is, is another really great one.
1: Well, we'll have to add them into the Farmers Book Club. You may even be able, able to be our 61st member. Um but as the sun started to shine on my face, I think we've gotten on a little bit with this Farm Yarn, but I think you've beat the time that with Wendy made. I think it's good for us to divulge how people do things themselves rather than your business, AgriMaster, and how it works for farmers. But it's how you interact with the world and, I don't know, that sort of larger um, conversations I want to get out of these.
0: Definitely. Thank you very much. I, I quite enjoyed it, Jack.
1: Beautiful. I'll leave it there, David. Thank you very much. I reckon these farm yarns are peaking and I'm really happy where they've gone. So that I and yourself listening on the other end can find out a little bit more about these people. What makes them drive? Why are they successful? Why is that paddock successful? Why wasn't the other one? Um, and what makes them tick? I think it's pretty cool to find out that in agriculture. Um, we just read the news mainly and not about the people that work within it. And this is a dive behind the scenes. So on that, if you have a farm yarn yourself or you want to nominate someone with a cracking farm yarn, a great story of growing up, their childhood, into where they've gotten to now, I'd love to hear that farm yarn. So email me, hello at au. Keep on farming.